You're listening to Boggy Talk, Faith Conversations in the Mud, a resource of Church on Bayshore. Boggy Talk is recorded on Boggy Bayou in Niceville, Florida, and is hosted by Justin Wyatt and James Ross, pastors at Church on Bayshore. We typically want every matter of faith and life to have crystal clear answers, but it isn't always that easy. This podcast digs in to help Christians think with a kingdom mentality about topics that sometimes get muddy and bog us down. So let's dive in. Well, hey, and welcome to Boggy Talk and happy Groundhog Day. If you've lived today before, you know, you you've had that feeling, you might have because it is Groundhog Day. So the burning question everyone has- We will work on Justin's theology yeah, later. Yeah, we'll do that later. But uh, uh, besides being a great movie, uh, did you see the shadow of the- what the groundhog was about to say? What animal? <laughs> what animal? Punks and Tony Phil. Literally was right? about to Punks say chipmunk. Punks and Tony Phil. Uh, I have no idea. I did not pay attention to that. I don't care because I'm not superstitious, and you know people are like not religious. But did the groundhog <laughs> see his shadow, or are the stars? What does the horoscope say? Right. You know, I don't believe in fairy tales and myths <laughs> do, like and the well, Bible. Do people really do anything for Groundhog Day? Like I don't even. I really, legitimately, do not know the history of this holiday or day. It's not holiday. We should have looked that up before today. We should have. But if you are into Groundhog Day and you know the history, we you would need love, priorities. Yes, right. You probably should give your life to something more important. Yeah. Uh, well, we're going to move on from that. That sounds as good. We, uh, dive How in. accurate is the groundhog, too, by the I way? I know. Like, and, and isn't it different? Like, like are we talking Nostradamus accuracy or are we talking right. like, and I'm like that? Right. And like, if it's cloudy, that, very good. Uh, impressive. I was actually like super into Nostradamus in like eighth grade. Super into well, it. How did that happen? I don't know. <laughs> was there like a girl who was like, she's reading this. I want to. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> she referenced Nostradamus. It's like, he's the kind of man. <laughs> that's, that's right up there. Like, ideal man. Definitely. Napoleon, Nostradamus. Very high on middle school girls. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Especially middle school girls. Oh, man. Some of you are eating your heart out for Romeo, and, and others are <laughs> Nostradamus and his 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 predictions. There you go. (laughs) Well, speaking of predictions, something you don't have to predict is the content for Boggy Talk today. That was a great transition, wasn't it? That's great. That's like a dad joke transition. But uh, we are wrapping up our four-week series on four challenges facing the church in 2021. We've talked about individualism. We've talked about pragmatism. We've talked about modernism. And then really where all of those things lead is what we're talking about today, and that is pluralism. And so as we dive in, as always, on this uh, series, we want to define the terms so we're clear about what we're talking about. So, James, what's yeah, pluralism? absolutely. What's so interesting is we base this off of uh, Trevin Wax article, and this isn't in there. I realized no, no, <laughs> as I, I was studying for I, this, it was like, hey, that's actually not. Yeah. So somehow <laughs> I did that. I think I think I replaced his fourth one because it was like people who isolate themselves, which really was already talked Trevin, about. Trevin, uh, basically, James was saying you're wrong. Yes, and he's smarter. Yes, so. He's not listening to this. He doesn't care, but <laughs> maybe a friend of a friend of a friend is. And yeah, so uh, Matthew Slick, who is uh, the guy behind a website called CARM, Christian Apologetic Resource Ministry, dot org. Actually, it's CARM.org, not Christian. Anyway, um, he <laughs> gives a, a definition of pluralism. And I really think it's a great resource, not a perfect resource, but a great resource for apologetic type stuff, mm. you know. Um, and he says pluralism is the belief that reality consists of many parts. So, you know, it's kind of this idea that 
there's not one version of reality. There's there's multiple views and versions of reality. And and um, there are different types of pluralism. You have religious pluralism, which teaches, and that's what we'll deal with mostly, that re- different religions contain truth, even though they might contradict each other. Ethical pluralism would assert that different moral systems are equally valid. Scientific pluralism would maintain that there could be different explanations for similar events. Political pluralism would acknowledge different governmental systems as being valid. And cultural pluralism maintains that different cultures are equally valid, even though they may be, you know, more beneficial to society than others or whatever it may be. So that's really what pluralism is. There's kind of this Mm -hmm. multiple ways of looking at something. Right. And so the good in pluralism is that, well, it, it, there's diversity. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. you know, or not just open-mindedness, but there's like, hey, there's more than one right way about right. some things. You Absolutely. know, and I think we we see there's, even in scripture, there's liberty in ways uh, to do things or things that uh, scripture is very prescriptive about. The Bible says, this is how you do this. And then yeah. there are things that is descriptive about. And so, uh, you know, we, we could look even at government. Uh, mm-hmm. The Bible doesn't clearly say that this is the way that every nation should govern. Yeah. Uh, but certainly there are uh, there are commands, there are principles for leaders and governments to follow. Right. So great, great. Yeah. pluralism, yeah. in and of itself, of, in terms of the, that there are other ideas that there, there broad diversity, definition broad, of pluralism. Yeah, yeah. Not, not bad. But the bad in pluralism is that you have all these different ideas and all these different things, and when you boil them all down, well, they just can't all be true <laughs> right. at the same time. Yeah, you know, especially you know we're, as we talk about religion and faith, you know, I think there is a there's many different faiths. There's many different religions. Uh, you know, basically most most of them are trying to point to how does the how does mankind reconcile to his creator? Uh, yeah, you've been pretty good about pointing out that the the problem with pragmatism because pragmatism is a bad is when individualism feeds into pragmatism. Right. The problem with modernism is because modernism is not bad, is when individualism mm-hmm. feeds into modernism. And I would say with pluralism, right. the problem is when individualism also plays into pluralism. We live in a pluralist, pluralistic society, but it's because of our individualism. And you're exactly right. We we tend to believe as a society in America specifically, hey, your truth is your truth and it's right. Man, that's just wrong. I'm sorry. It just is <laughs> wrong. Right, yeah. I mean, it's illogical. Mm-hmm. Forget even the fact that I'm a believer and understand the things about the Bible. It is just a, an illogical fallacy to believe everybody's truth is right because mm-hmm. they contradict one another, etc. You know, and so the, the argument that I've heard for a pluralistic society and really a pluralistic um, religious view, you know, so so pluralistic religious view, just to be clear, means, hey, there are many different religions and they're all right. right. Um, or at least some of them are right. And so the argument would be, well, you know, the Muslim, the Christian, the, the Jew, the, you know, keep keep fill in the blank. They have a, it's like they have a blindfold on and they're f- feeling an elephant and they're describing the elephant. Well, one who's feeling the tail of the elephant is going to say it's hairy and it's thin and, you know, all that. And they're right. Mm-hmm. And one who's feeling, you know, the, the, the feet of the elephant would say it's really tough and hard, you know, because of the toenail things. And I don't know <laughs> if those are called toenails, you know. Yeah, hoops, I don't have no idea what they're called. No, they're like giants. So I don't know. <laughs> and the one who's feeling the trunk would feel one thing. And so all of their depictions, one who's feeling the ears are accurate. And so people said that's really what 
how how pluralism is true. But the problem is you take the blindfold off and, and you have a full picture, right? And so there is truth. So yes, they may they they each of those people have a limited view of the truth. And so the question is really what is the truth? So what is the truth? Well, I mean, the Bible, you know. <laughs> right. And yeah. I think you know, that's where, it's <laughs> funny, but it also is like, so what is the truth? And we believe, uh, and not just believe as Christians, we believe that we know that the truth is uh God himself is truth. Mm -hmm. His word revealed to us is truth. Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes right. to the Father but through me. And so I think the rub here that non-Christians would look at Christians and say, well, that is so arrogant right. of you. Um, and I think the, the biggest rebuttal of that as Christians is that, one, there is— in that description, there's like no room for arrogance in it, uh, you know, in terms of Jesus and has loves us and gave his life for us and died on the cross. There's no room for our own arrogance in that, but there's a great humility and a desire for others to see that. But the world would say, well, that's just an arrogant to claim that you have this exclusive hold on truth is is very prideful of you. Right. But but and, and so when it comes to the power and the culture war and all that, like I absolutely agree with with those statements, you know, when people use their faith as for their agenda. But when, what we're dealing with now is the truth. And we don't have some exclusive hold on the truth. In fact, it's, an, it's a <laughs> truth that's available to all, you know, mm -hmm. Romans chapter one, uh, which we're getting ready to go through in just a few weeks, you know, talks about that, that um, it's really this truth that is made evident to everybody. And in, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith. That's Abraham. The Abrahamic, you know, uh, promise to faith, meaning, you know, the gospel being made known to all people. And so it is not this exclusive view. And and so I, I think a good place to start here as we talk about really how this affects the church and what we do is Paul in Acts chapter 17. Paul goes into Athens, which was a pluralistic, polytheistic, you know, religious society, mm -hmm. much like what I would say the West is, because we right. are very religious people, even if we don't say right. we are. And Paul stands in the middle of the midst of the Areopagus and says, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. And he begins to talk about how he sees all these, you know, idols. And he says, I even saw uh, an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. And it's really this kind of covering their basis. They're like, oh, well, this is in case we miss the real God. Mm -hmm. And the reason they believe in all these gods is they don't want to miss out. you know. Right. And he, he says, what therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. And he talks about creation and he ultimately gets to the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's saying this is God showing to all people who he is. Yeah, I think the... Uh, as we talk about pluralism from that aspect, you know, we want to cover all our bases. There's this, the danger for the church and with pluralism uh, is that Christians can become pluralistic oh, yeah. without realizing. And I think w you see this, uh, you see this with uh, maybe some celebrity Christians on a, on a grand scale, you know, online who I think moved by a genuine desire to love people, mm -hmm. moved by a genuine compassion, which we should be mm -hmm. filled with compassion, mm -hmm. uh, know people. Uh, and we love people deeply. Jesus loves people deeply. Even the people that, you know, that crucified him like Jesus like he he loved people he loved yeah. he loved people and and we should love people and move by genuine love or I 
let me back that up. Moved by love for people, uh, a desire for to have a relationship with people, we begin mm-hmm. to say, well, you know what? Maybe what they believe isn't as bad as I thought. And right. so what that does is can lead us down the slippery slope. But all of a sudden we are now accepting that their version of God or version of salvation or version of who Jesus is, though it's contrary to scripture, well, we're okay with it because we love them. And, and loving someone doesn't mean accepting everything that they believe. It means mm-hmm. accepting them as they are. And I think that's where a, a danger for Christians is, uh, is just this overall acceptance of anything when it comes to church. Yeah. And a lot of people think this way. I mean, I think perhaps for us in our context in the South, we haven't really had to think about what we think about these things. But, you know, surveys done, I mean, there's one done by the Barna Group, Lifeway, I mean, Pew Research Group, many show that, I mean, it's it's a slight majority that believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. I mean, mm-hmm. 50%, 52%, you know, those kind of things. Um, many affirm that morals are relative. So there's a, there's a variation of morals and many affirm that there is no absolute truth, you know? So, I mean, these are, Christ- these are not like just... What do people in America think? Right. I mean, this these is are people, like people who profess to be Christians. Yeah, who are active churchgoers, who, mm-hmm. who think uh, these things. So um, perhaps, you know, as you're listening to this or watching this, you you affirm you struggle with that or uh, maybe you haven't really thought about it. Um, and, and I get it. I mean, so, so, you know, so there's a man on an island, right? And he's living his best life now. You know, I mean, he's somehow he's, that copy of Very Bad Joel Osteen has to the island. He hasn't heard the gospel, but he does have Joel, Joel Osteen's <laughs> book. And you can have Joel Osteen's book and, book and not have heard the gospel. That's very clear. True. Please leave that on there. Anyway, um, so Rachel Hollis we've talked about, Joel Osteen. But, you know, he's just living his best life, trying to do right. And so that's what you think about him. And so you say, well, he's never heard of Jesus. And then he dies. Does he go to hell? You know, so that, that really struggle, that's a struggle for us. Like, and then you say you have a a person who grows up in the Middle East and they're grow up immersed in uh, Islam and that's all they really know. Um, Or, you know, that's the foundation they have for 30 years until they're really exposed to Jesus, the way that, you know, the gospel message and yet they live, and, and I would just say this, absolutely, I know a lot of non-Christians who live kinder, better, um, more mm-hmm. noble. Moral, yeah. Yeah, lives than a lot of Christians. Mm-hmm. So I think for us, you know, that's a tension that we struggle with. Um, while I, th- I think, you know, if we understand God's holiness— Ultimately, we understand that, I mean, God, if we look at all of our lives who've ever lived, God would be very just in sending all of us to hell mm-hmm. right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I think we need to recognize that. I also think we need to recognize, and this is just where I'm at on that, you know, while I see that, ultimately, I trust in the justice of God the grace of God. I mean, people kind of go down these crazy rabbit trails in theology, right? Dealing with that issue. And I just ultimately, I do, I do struggle with that, but ultimately, like, I just trust in the justice of God. Like either they deserve his wrath or God makes it known to them somehow. Like, you know, Old Testament ways, like there's just so much to debate there. Again, I have more thoughts on that, but for this, 
for purpose of this, like I just trust in God. But here's what I would say to you, to us. Mm-hmm. That's not us. Right. We have heard the gospel. We're right. familiar with the gospel. We have the gospel morphed right. into wall art, you know, that isn't the gospel. <laughs> right. And so that gives us that that knowledge and that where we are, our context gives us a very clear direction and mission, you know, yeah. to to help people hear the gospel. You know, we can't save anyone, but we must tell. And I think that's part of the rub that people have when it yeah. comes to pluralism and Christianity is that that's fine. People, a lot of people would say this. That's fine, Christian. I'm fine with you being a Christian. You know, I think Jesus is a good guy. Uh, but why do you have to convert people? Why can't right. you just let people be? Yeah. Um, and I think part of that is rooted in the fact that Christians in the past, not just mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. recent past, but historically have not gone about evangelism, mission, the spread of the church in right or just ways. Um, but the other part is, is that... You mean the Crusades, like going to kill people <laughs> who don't profess Christ? Probably not the or, best okay, way okay. to... Right. But I think, um, you know, we have to... You learn something new every day. Thank you, Justin, <laughs> for clarifying I, yeah, that I just me. clarify, just in case you're thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think, you know, we have to say, you know, there's a, there's a rub there. And then there's a rub of like, why can't you just let people be? And, mm. and, the, and the root is, is that... If we as Christians understand the gospel, that we are dead in our sin and Jesus is the way, he's the only way, we are compelled by love to tell people that message. And, you know, I think a lot of times it comes across, we there's a this burden comes across as heavy handed and yeah. because there's arrogance that slips in, there's yeah. pride that slips in. I think that this, you know, when we go back to what we said at the beginning, there's no room for arrogance in yeah. the gospel on our part because we recognize like God is creator. He's the one who's made a way. We just received this free gift of salvation. Yeah. So we want to be humble stewards of that. Going back to what you said, you know, our context, our context is that we are here. We've heard. Mm -hmm. So what do we do? Right. We proclaim the truth. Yeah. There's such a fallacy with that belief that, you know, let's just let people be. Because I think that there are things that we say, let's let people be. And there are things that we say we can't let people be about. Um, As a society, I mean, we don't let people, we don't let children, um, be neglected and abused. I mean, we've just agreed upon that as a society. And and I've met very few people who would say there shouldn't be some line, you know, where uh, children are moved from homes. I think that we don't just let people be when it comes to traffic, you know, endangering other people's lives. We don't let people be when if you see them beating their spouse in public, we don't let people be um, in, in so many things. And so I think the question is, what what is what is a value deep enough in us, important enough to us that we say I can't just let people be, and I think this is where the challenge is in the church is, and I think I think that this is what um, the writer of Revelation was talking about when he said we lost our first love. You know, it, it, is that I think that we don't value the lordship of Christ. We don't value the gospel uh, enough. For it to be one of those things where we say, I can't let people be. You know, I, I saw Penn and Teller. Remember Penn and Teller? I don't know if they're still around. Do you know how that is? No they're idea. like magicians or something, comedians. And he was saying, it was really cool because he's an atheist. And he was saying like a lot of his atheist friends say that Christians are mad, mean for spreading the gospel. And he was like, I think that's crazy 
Because if you really believe that I'm going to hell, if I don't believe this and you don't tell me that, like you are not a loving person. Right. You know, and I, and I think like, that's the truth. Like if we really believe someone is going to hell and we have the answer for how they go to heaven, then we are not a loving person to let them be. If we know the cure to cancer, and people exist with cancer and we don't share that cure and we just use it for ourselves and our mm -hmm. own gain. Like we are not loving people right. and we know, we know the cure to a, an eternal cancer, if you will, you know, not to make light of the realities of cancer. And so for us to just say, we're not going to bring that, there must be something that is in us that is causing us not to bring that cure. And I think that that something is a, is individualism. It's a, it's a preservation of our life. I think yeah. we don't share the gospel with people because we love ourselves more than we love people. Yeah. And we, we love like that. We don't, we don't want to take the chance that they may reject us, may yeah. change you know, their yeah. opinion of us. Uh, and I think that, you know, they probably already think those things, you know, and if they're, if you have someone who's maintained a relationship with you and they know you're a Christian, they're probably not going to uh, cut you off because you've shared, I mean, they might, but they might, you know, but it, you do this in a loving way, in a kind way, in a humble way. Yeah. You know, I, I think back to a, a friend uh, that, you know, I, he's not a Christian and I want him to be a Christian. I told him that, but we had mm -hmm. some great conversations about the Lord. And, you know, I would just say, you know, of course I want you to believe this. Mm -hmm. And what I recognize, I can't force you to believe this. I can only share what I know is true and what I've experienced in my life. And I hope and pray that you will believe. And, you know, I, you can't force someone to believe, but to not, talk about it or say, Hey, what, what do you think about this? Yeah. You know, that is essentially just saying like, I think you'll probably be okay in the end. And I think that a lot of this, I think a lot of Christians really, if you get to the root of you know, what you're saying of why we, why we don't, and I include myself in that, why we don't share our faith more, um, is because if we were honest, we just kind of think like, in the end, it'll, maybe they'll be okay. Yeah. And yeah. without really knowing, and, and really that that is the the paving the highway towards a form of universalism. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it and, is. It and is I think that's dangerous for us to start to to think that way. And so we have to back it up and say, okay, what is a loving God sent His Son Jesus Christ to reconcile us to Himself, yeah. and He's called us to be ministers of reconciliation. So. We must share. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, I mean the re the only reason we would think that way is because we don't know the scriptures. You know? mm -hmm. But now you know. I mean, you're listening. <laughs> you're watching this. Like, you got access. If you read the scriptures, like we are clearly called to go and and spread the gospel. I mean, and and speak, preach the gospel. I mean, Romans ten says like, how will they hear? How will mm -hmm. they believe without hearing? And how will they hear without the preaching of the word? And and that's not just for a pastor on a Sunday morning. That's for all of us. So if we know that then and we don't do it, it, it has to be that we value this world, our lives in this world more than we value um, God. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, like, so I think about people that we would work with, people that our kids would go to school with, you know, people in our neighborhood. If we're not sharing the gospel with them, it's either because, you know, we don't know that we should be, which you do. Or we're just indifferent to it. Or, you know, we we value the relationship on earth more than 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 the, the eternal relationship. And so we would rather see them drown 
than receiving them and then being upset with us because we have offered salvation to them. And, and I, and I do, you know, because, because you stand, if somebody, if people like you and there are certain tangible societal benefits from that, and you press them with an issue that they are fundamentally wrong about the way they view the world and the way they live their life because of Jesus, then you risk those societal benefits. And I think most of us, and I would say especially in Niceville, don't want to risk those societal benefits. And I'll be honest with you, there have been people who are not Christians who I've led to Christ, praise Jesus, and their life has changed. There have also been those who are not Christians who we've had this conversation with and I continue to love them. We continue to have a great friendship, but there have been people who, and I think of one per particular, I, I vividly remember them saying in our conversation, finally one time, so you think I'm going to hell? And I said, I, I do. And I, and I said, I think I would go to hell if it weren't for the grace of Jesus. And our relationship has never been the same since that moment. Yeah. And that's sad, but you know, I mean, I don't know what to say, but I ha I'm compelled mm -hmm. to to offer to them. Not that I offer it, but you know, to be a vessel of offering. It doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. And, and and I think I think foundationally, our best chance is the recognition in this that yes, people who believe in other versions of God and and whatever it may be are 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 damned to hell. Mm -hmm. But as Paul says to the Corinthians, and such were some of you. Yeah, I mean that's, that's me. Yes, exactly. I, yes. I have, I am mm -hmm. not in any way superior. In fact, in many ways, I am inferior yeah. to to people who believe other than Jesus, mm -hmm. but the grace of God. Yeah, but the grace of God. And I think you know when you shared that, I, I had a very similar conversation with someone who you know had like professed faith and then came back and said, actually, I didn't. I don't believe this mm. anymore. And and just being heartbroken and and sitting across from him saying, and he literally said some of those same things. And I was like, well. I love you. Mm -hmm. I, I and I want you to, but I again, I can't make you believe this, and I'm heartbroken. But I can't also affirm this direction in your mm -hmm. life and say that, you know, that this is what you should do and believe and how you should, you know, basically blow up your family and, you know, because the, the path he wanted to go down was just a path of destruction. Mm -hmm. And um, and really, it comes back to individualism and pragmatism and modernism, just saying, yeah. that, hey, there's there really is no absolute truth, and this doesn't work for mm -hmm. me, and I'm the boss of me. Uh, and so, really, these these are all they're all connected, yeah. you know, uh, by by strand. And I think, you know, as we wrap this up, we need to just say who. Am I burdened for? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. are we burdened for people to know him? Are we burdened so much that we will change mm -hmm. our lives to make space, to mm -hmm. build relationships with mm -hmm. them? To, you know, it, it does in many cases, not all cases, take some relational equity to get to this point in, mm -hmm. you know, with a neighbor. You know, are you going to, how are you going to do that? Yeah. Uh, you know, and, so who are you burdened for? Who are you praying for? And then how are we intentionally seeking these opportunities to share? Yeah. And, and don't be scared of people who have different opinions of the truth. And, and I would really, even in your children, like if they're questioning these, I would encourage you to examine the truths that are pr presented in different viewpoints with them or with that neighbor and continue to commit to that until there's a rejection like, hey, I don't want to go any further because Jesus said, if you seek, you'll find, mm -hmm. you know, he said he is the way, the truth and the life. So 
if Jesus is the truth, then why would we not continue to pursue this? You know, I've I, people are like, you can't read those books because demonic. Whatever. I've read the Watchtower Society's publications. I've read a lot of the Book of Mormon, a lot of the Quran. Like, I think the gospel is the truth. Right. And I think that people who really pursue the truth will ultimately come to this problem where they recognize there is a separation between them and God. And what can be done about that? And a true recognition, I can't earn that. Mm-hmm. And the gospel is the power of God for salvation. And in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Mm-hmm. And that is a humble position to take. Yeah. You know, to say that God, I, all this points to the fact that I can't save myself. My right. thoughts can't save me. My worldview can't save me. I can't deny this and accept this and believe this and believe what I want to and that save me. It's fact that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, mm-hmm. in Christ alone. And so as we wrap up this series of these challenges, uh, maybe you can go back and listen. This, but we all should re- try to, to examine our own hearts and recognize patterns and, and thoughts in our own lives that we're individualistic, pragma- pragmatic, uh, f- falling into modernism and really forms of pluralism and, and say, God, show me, reveal to me, change me and help me to live uh, as someone who isn't just uh, living for myself as my own authority, someone who isn't just saying what serves me best, someone who isn't, you know, saying everything, everybody else is wrong in the past and this is what's right, and someone who's not uh, just affirming of everything out there and saying, I love people and I love them so much I want to share humbly mm-hmm. with Jesus Christ who he is, and what he's done. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if you have any questions, want to follow up with anything, send us a message, Justin, at Church on Bayshore. Uh, send us a direct message. We'll be happy to be in touch with you. Beyond that, we're so thankful you have joined us. Be sure and uh, join us uh, next week as we kick off a new series. Uh, be sure and hit the subscribe button so you don't miss anything. Mm-hmm. We got to go find out if the groundhog found a shadow. Yeah, right? let's go find out right now. Let's go. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Boggy Talk. We are so glad you joined in the conversation. Go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss a beat.